This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest is a dynamic financial and operational leader with decades of experience in the consumer services industry. He oversees the day-to-day financial aspects, as well as the long-term strategic financial and operational goals of the company. In the five years he has been with this company, it has grown from about 45 employees to over 125 employees and has tripled in revenues. He's the vice president of revenue and chief financial officer of Earthlight Technologies, a solar and energy solutions company located in Mass, Connecticut, and Oregon. I'd like to welcome Mike Miskalko. Welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Thanks for being on. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, to uh, listening to uh, or having this podcast because you know, the last five years, the growth that you guys have had, um, you know what you're doing in the solar industry, uh, the challenges. It's it's awesome. So. Um, <clears throat> Really, the first question I have, and I actually, I have, I ask everybody, what is the most challenging aspect of scaling your company or a company, I should say? Yeah, you know, obviously, right now we're in a time where there's a a lot of different challenges that have that have popped up recently, whether it be you know supply chain, overcoming COVID, those sorts of things. But one that's been uh, pretty universal since my arrival five years ago uh, and other places I've worked at is always finding the best people. Um, Hiring is always a big thing. Trying to find uh, not just the people who are the best at what they do, but also who are a fit for your culture. Um, And knowing that every single person, regardless of their job position here, is an extension of the Earthlight brand and that team. So that's definitely one of the biggest challenges uh, we face on a regular basis. And how do you, has, how is that hiring process? Do you go through, you know, um, multiple interviews? Is there like, you know, any kind of testing behavioral or I'm just curious how you actually go about that. Forget finding people, but actually when you get them into the interview process to make sure. Yeah. Right yeah. Each, yeah. each position is going to be a, a, a little different, but for the most part, people are coming in and going through multiple tiers of interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with multiple sets of people. So for example, if we're hiring in the accounting department, um, they may sit with myself and the controller for a first round so that we can really test their hands-on knowledge and ability to do the tasks that the job's going to need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they may return for a second or final interview with our HR manager and one of our owners or an HR manager and myself to get another set of eyes and ears to try to vet that person and really understand what they're going to be able to do both from a work aspect and from a fit aspect. Mm-hmm. You mentioned like HR manager you have, what, what did you, was there a manager in place when you first arrived when there was about 45 employees? I'm curious when that person there, was. Yeah. There was. And, okay. and actually it's, it's the, it's the same person then that it is now. Uh, and she does an amazing job. And, and that's also been a challenge is uh, scaling the HR department with that same one person um, from 45 employees up to 125 across three states. So it's really obviously, you know, stretched her skill set and ability to, to, to really manage that position. Um, 
And it's something we're actually actively seeking to change. I think a lot of companies now are taking a different perspective with HR. It's no longer just that administrative hiring, firing, discipline track. It's more about people. And it's really about the touch point and making sure people know what's going on within the organization and that she's a resource that can be contacted for any number of things, whether it be, you know, benefits or personal issues or planning parties or events. It's a, it's a touch point that's really uh, key to keep our culture expanding because the bigger we get, mm-hmm. obviously the harder it is to keep that family dynamic and that family feel. And that's something that has been incredibly important to us as an organization and has been key to our growth and success. So we're working extra hard to make sure that we, we retain that feel and HR is a key driver of that. And how do you how do you do that with the size of your company as you grow? That the whole culture and you know you know making sure that everybody feels part of a bigger you know a team essentially because you've got employees I guess in Oregon right? So then you 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 have separate employees in each state, Mass and Connecticut, pretty much. Yeah. We we do. So our headquarters are in Ellington, Connecticut. That's where the majority of our our staff is located. Uh, out in Oregon now, we have. 21 employees. Okay. And so we have uh, regular weekly uh, teams meetings with the, Mm -hmm. with the management team out there. So we're in close communication Uh, and we also plan full company events. So uh, for example, this upcoming Thursday, we actually have a full quarterly meeting where the entire staff will come up to that office physically and connect with our office in Connecticut, where we'll have a, a presentation. We'll discuss our plans for that branch, their growth strategies. We'll discuss what we're doing out here in Connecticut and make sure everybody feels connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do generally visit out there and bring people from out there out here a, a couple times a year to make sure um, there's still that that connection and feel that it, it's part of the the same organization, not just two different arms going in different directions. Sure. And does you do you operate under some kind of a management like an operating system? You know, there's like EOS or some systems like that, or, you know, where you have regular meetings and. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we do have a, a regular cadence of meetings. It's something we're always working on. Uh, a couple of years back, we, we really worked a lot with 40 X for disciplines of execution. Um, right. I jotted down, it was by uh, Chris, Mc, Chris McChesney. Um, it's a great read, a great audio listen as well. It's, it's easily digestible mm-hmm. um, and it allows you to really set goals um, put them out there and track them regularly. They have these things called wigs or wildly important goals mm-hmm. um, that you really set and focus on and you set a specific meeting just to, to, to get to that measure. And one of the biggest things that it really changed in terms of our mindset was the way we measure things. So it talks a lot about lead versus lag. Yeah. And one of the examples is, you know, everybody at some point, in their life has said, you know, uh, I, you know, I want to lose weight. Okay. What's your goal? I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great. But your goal isn't actually to lose 10 pounds. Your goal is to walk a mile three times a week, because that's the measurable that you can do to get you to the loss of 10 pounds. Yeah. And so we really embraced that a couple of years ago um, and have rolled that out, you know, company-wide and, and make sure that we have regular meetings there. Um, and then just fairly recently, we went to a leadership summit mm-hmm. in, uh, in Orlando called Entree Leadership. Um, 
we had a bunch of guest speakers and, and literally before I jumped on here, we were actually showing one of the live presentations that I saw with some of the executive team in our conference room. Okay. Um, it was called Unreasonable Hospitality by a, a restaurateur named Will Gadara. And it really talks a lot about making sure that you're doing things with intention and purpose and really um, just going above and beyond and being kind and listening to your customers and your employees and giving them that experience because people won't necessarily remember what you said or what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel in that moment. And so that's been something that we're, we're really embracing here and, and, and looking at as well. Yeah. So what was just uh, people heard at the very beginning or missed it? What was the name of the book? Just so I could, just Yeah. So that was the four disciplines of execution. They, they call it 4DX. Um, we did it company wide. We, we distributed books. We had people on, you know, various audio platforms listening to it. There's, there's all kinds of guidebooks. It's a, it's a fairly widely known one that was recommended to us by a peer. Okay. And um, we fully embraced it in one division that, that really kind of needed a little bit of an overhaul mm -hmm. uh, a few years back. And, and it did so well there that we kind of just rolled it out company wide to everybody because these principles were, were universal. It just helps you really cut through that, what they call the whirlwind, which is just the, the everyday you're doing what you're doing. And the next thing you know, it's 430. Um, versus right. going in with purpose and setting those tasks and making sure you're kind of checking the boxes and measuring properly. Yeah, I think intention, you mentioned that earlier, that's really important with everything we do as leaders, you know, being intentional um, instead of letting things just kind of happen, you know, and so. Yeah, that and, that's, and that's the easiest path and, and one that just people are able to get set in is, is when you ask the question, um, why are we doing X or why is Y in this meeting? And if the answer is because that's always the way we've done it, it may be time to take the step back and revisit, is it the best way to be doing it? And so we're, we're doing that constantly. Sometimes we need to be reminded of it. Sometimes it takes a, a peer or a leadership summit or, or somebody new coming in to, to kind of refresh that. But it's something we're constantly looking at and organizations have to look at all the time. So the other thing you mentioned is leading indicators. So we, you know, we do the same thing. Um, we, we operate under the book, well, the book that was Traction that became EOS. So it sounds like it's very much in the same type of stuff, just different, you know, acronyms and the way we do it. But yeah, it was important even for us to figure out those leading indicators. So we'd look at like sales and things that were happening that already happened. And to now look at things that are going to, you know, affect you know, future in, in how we measure that and how we can make changes around it, you know, so like number of clicks on your website and things like that, that are going to tell you that hopefully down the road, what's going to happen, which I think um, it, every time we come up with a, with a measurable, we keep saying, is this a leading one or a lagging one? And that's, yeah, coming up with that and looking at those, right. We, we have a weekly meeting um, and then we have a quarterly one, um, but weekly we're looking at those. We have weekly indicators and we have monthly and quarterly. So yeah, that's a yeah, ab absolutely yep. same, you know, from a, from a sales standpoint. So we have commercial sales and residential sales that each have their, their own weekly meetings. Um, and, and for ages, we would always look at, like you said, the sales leaderboard, Who's yeah. at the top? Who's doing well? What product's selling? How often? What did the month look like? Did we beat budget? Those right. are all in arrears. 
Um, and we really have started also looking at what's the lead flow like, you know, who's, who's putting the leads in the top of the funnel that are eventually going to come out. What are, what are the closing ratios looking at? What are the lead sources that are doing really well versus the ones that aren't? What are the costs to acquire those leads? So those are some of the indicators that we're starting to look at or that we've been looking at, you know, in the, in the last couple of years that have certainly helped drive that consistent pipeline, which leads to your sales numbers that you can uh-huh. reflect on. As far as your meetings that you have with your team, what, how difficult or how easy is that with, you know, meetings can get out of control, right? And the bigger your team, the, you know, you sometimes leave and think, you know, what do we, what do we accomplish? Right. So or, or some topics come up and you speak for half an hour on it. And again, leave with no, no answer. Is that, do you have a rhythm to your meetings where they kind of start on time end on time? Or is it, you know, you know, how's it? Yeah. It's, it's funny how things start, how things happen timing wise, how, yeah. how things just tend to fall into place sometime. And, and this is something again uh, that we've been reviewing very recently, which is, okay, we have departmental meetings. So those are very task-based, smaller teams with a punch list. Those, those are pretty routine. Um, then we have our sales meetings. And same thing. They have a set time frame, a rough frame of an agenda, but can, can go off you know, into the left and right. You got to make sure you keep them out of the weeds. And then we have our manager's meetings. And uh, we have two different types. One, which is um, reporting. So one department will throw their numbers out there so that the other departments who maybe don't talk to them daily can kind of see what's going on and get a feel. Um, And then the more strategic ones. And it was always the same group. And one of the things we've been looking at recently as a result of going to this leadership summit is, are the right people in it? You know, you have manager in your title, that means you manage people. Does that necessarily mean you need to be in a strategic meeting where they're trying to generate new ideas. Cause not everybody is good at generating ideas. Not everybody is good at enabling people. And so another speaker and actually another book that we just looked at was it's called the six type of working genius by Patrick Lencioni. Um, and, it, and it has this acronym widget, uh, wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity. And they have you take this assessment test, not not unsimilar to the Myers-Briggs, way simpler. I mean, it's a 15-minute kind of just questionnaire. And it puts you into these two working geniuses. These are the two things that you just do amazingly well. And then there's two things that you do well, but they maybe aren't your passion. And then there's probably a couple of things that are actually a pain point for you. Mm -hmm. And not only does it apply this to individuals, you can apply it to your team and you can also apply it to meetings because we've all been in that meeting where you're at the finish line, you're, you're wrapping up a project or you're, you're planning an event and you're like, okay, these are the final details. And there's that person who goes, hey, but what if we, and you're like, no, 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 no. We're already past that. We needed to do that months ago. And if you look at the person type, regardless of their position in the organization, it needs to flow. So you need the ideas first. And then you need to get the people who can start to generate the, the, the you know, what's good and what's bad and get people excited about it. And then you need the people who can actually execute it and bring it across the finish line. Right. So we've started to plan our meeting agendas and our meeting groups around what's the purpose of the meeting. Is this one that's generating ideas 
or is this one that's taking a task and bringing it across the finish line? Because that's two different meetings with two different sets of people. Mm-hmm. And so this was a particularly eye-opening thing that really within just the last couple of months, we've taken a step back and said, okay, meetings are great. Communication are great. But are we doing it with a purpose? Or are we just doing it because, hey, we need to have a weekly meeting? And mm-hmm. did anybody get anything out of it? And was everybody who in it, did they bring value to the table? And, and that's super important because time's tight, you know? Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you when you started doing that, just because your growth and you've been there for five years. And so it sounds like, you know, now's the time it's like you, you bumped up to I don't know, 125 employees. It's like, okay, now let's look at everything and make sure things are, you know, it's almost like a, these plateaus of business. It, it absolutely is. Uh, that's, that's the perfect description is it's, it's, yeah. You know, it feels like a hockey stick, just, you know, up. Yeah. Uh, but it really is these these plateaus of you gain a lot and you've gone to the next level and then you've got to almost take a pause, reevaluate, change some things to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we're at that next plateau where it's OK, we've done an amazing job. We've got a great company, a great organization. How do we take that next step? And that's just that constant process of feedback and evaluation and and really looking at every aspect to, to get to that level. So that, that description, Jeff, is really spot on. It's interesting because there's, um, there's a book called Predictable Success um, by Les McEwen. And he talks about, I'm not sure if you've read it, but um, or, he talks about the stages of growth of a business and how, you know, the, you got like the early stage, the infancy stage, which is like, hey, we're just struggling to bring you know, have cash on the bag. And then you've got this, what they call the fun stage, which is, Hey, we're getting customers and money's coming in and we're just, just doing great and wonderful. And we all, we're having a great time and everybody loves it. it but then the, this next stage, they call whitewater, which is like, Oh shoot, you know, what's going on here? And our systems really aren't in place. And yeah, we got a lot of customers, but we're dropping the ball on stuff. And we're doing things without, con- you know, contract signed or, you know, we're just hiring out of desperation because we need people. And so that's like whitewater, like rapids. Right. And to get to the next step, the next step is predictable success. It talks about the right people, the right systems. Um, it, actually, a lot of it is the right people because people put in systems and it's you've got the visionaries you know, here's what we're the future. And you've got the um, processors, which are like the dot, the I's cross the T's. Then the operators are like, I'm going to make this happen. And typically the processors need to start coming in at whitewater to make sure systems are in place. So I'm curious, have you seen the people you're hiring and with your growth, the different types of people that you need as you grow, like come into play? You're like, Hey, we need someone to really track this or do that. Or, you know, just, just curious yeah. if, as you've been there for five years now. Yeah. And, and, you know, you end up with a room full of nothing but visionaries. You're actually probably not going to get a whole lot done. You know, you exactly. need that full, yeah. that full mix. Yeah. And yeah. I think one thing that I've really um, loved to see here as an organization, and, and, and this was in place when I arrived, you know, by, by the, the Schneider family who owns the group prior to, to my arrival. And, and since we've been here is, uh, what I call finding the right seat on the bus. The number of times within this organization where say a position is opened 
or we've grown and we've said, hey, now there's a need for X, someone else within the organization that maybe you didn't think of has come forward and said, hey, I think I can do this, or I'm interested in this. Or you look at somebody who's maybe struggling in a, in a management position, but they have the capabilities to really be successful in sales. And so all of a sudden you go, are we parting ways with a really good person with a skill set and character that fits this culture because they can't do the job or because they're not doing the right job? And you start to try to move around the pieces on the board to get them into the best spot. So doing that internally has definitely helped. Externally, yeah, it's, it's super important to make sure that you know what you're looking for and that you're hiring with a purpose and, and not doing that. Hey, well, uh, we're desperate and we need somebody and we got to fill the spot. So let's go. It's right. I'd rather wait two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever it is to get the right person in uh-huh. hopefully the first time. And you never know with new hires. It's, yes. it's, um, but, but you do the best you can and, and, you know, knock on wood, we've been, we've been pretty fortunate to be able to continue to recruit talent train from within and promote growth. And and that's really something that when you're growing as an organization, you have to make sure you're finding people who can grow with you and don't kind of hit that Peter principle and and work their way out. Um, And I I think that's something that we've been really good at or really fortunate with anyway. uh, And that's allowed us to continue to grow. Do you do any of the testing? I, we had, I had a podcast a couple months ago with a company that they said once they started doing the, um, they use like predictive index, like behavioral testing, personality testing, I should say, um, on the hiring side. Once they started doing that, like they kind of took off as far as the, the right people. I'm just curious in the hiring process, do you do that? Because I, I know you, you guys did it when you mentioned um, earlier doing that 15 minute or, um, assessment to see where people were. But I'm curious, do you do anything on the hiring side? So. We, we don't on the hiring side. It, it's something we've thought about. Uh, it's also, you know, with, with HR and hiring and mm-hmm. being in Connecticut in particular, you never know what rules it, you, you can or can't do. And, and so our, our hiring process is, is pretty straightforward in terms of there's no actual tests or analysis, but we try to do it in a roundabout way. We look at the position and we look at the skill sets you need. And, and if you're looking for a very task-based uh, you know, job position, then when you get into that interview, you're going to try to pick questions that are going to enable that person to show that there's somebody who really likes to take something from start to finish and are task-based versus somebody who's always generating new ideas. Because you're like, hey, that's great. And maybe we have another spot for you, but this one that needs to get things done on a task-based process sure. maybe isn't this person. Yeah. So while we don't actually sit down and say, hey, take this 15-minute test, we try to make sure that the hiring team is aware of what are the qualities and the personality traits that are going to be required for this position and is the person you're talking to matching. Mm-hmm. So it's a little less formal, but in a, in a way that structure is still kind of there. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. Um, do you like? Do you see yourself going in other states right now? You're in three, and I think is Oregon because the owners had experience there or, or, or lived there. Is that what it was? I think I was going through your website. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. from Connecticut and Mass to the other 
coast. So, yeah. So that's, that's when we, we always get, get asked that because you, I mean, you just look at a map and you go, how's that happen? <laughs> and so, so yeah, the, the Schneider family who was from Connecticut spent a, a fairly significant amount of time uh, in Oregon and then mm-hmm. ended up coming back to Connecticut. Um, and during the years they had somebody out there that they had had contact with that said, Hey, thinking about maybe starting a, a solar company, which I, and they said, Hey, why don't we open a branch there? Sure. And for a while, it was a it was kind of a small operation, and and probably in let's say 2018, maybe coming into 2019, we we really had a sit down meeting and said, all right, we we either need to go all in or not at all, because the the time and resources that you're you're using for something that's literally across the country, kind of doing their own thing, isn't making a lot of sense. Yeah. And that was when we really determined we could be scalable. So we took the model that we've built in Connecticut that had tremendous success and really implemented those exact same structures out there in Oregon. There was some personnel turnover or a couple of key people who, who rose to the occasion. We brought in a couple other key people along the way. And the next thing you know, that branch goes from four people to, to 21 people. And awesome. so doing that has given us the confidence that if we want to go into other states, assuming the, you know, the programs and the structures are there, I think we could jump in and scale um, reasonably well because we've been able to take that approach and do it in Massachusetts and do it in Oregon as well. And so, yeah, who, who knows where's next, but, but that's certainly something that's on our radar. Yeah. Even uh, have you guys thought about even like franchising or anything like that, you know, setting up, you know, we haven't really looked at, at that route, but but we've definitely considered, you know, the, the geography and, and the climate. So we did a couple of jobs in in the state of Illinois because the, the program was there. And, and yeah. you never know if we'll dip back in or, you know, the state of New York is very tough. There's a lot of regulations and red tape, but potentially that's a market we could jump into Rhode Island. So we look really geographically at where it makes the most sense to expand. Right now, we're trying to focus on our core and make sure that we're doing you know, really well and doing the best we can with what we have now, because we feel there's still a, a ton of untapped potential in the markets we're in. It, you know, solar in particular is still kind of in its infancy as it's really starting to take off. But you look at the saturation rates, they're incredibly low. Yeah, so yeah. that's our primary focus. But we always keep an eye on on potential strategic branching out into, into other geographies. Do you see any, or maybe it's too early, but it, like consolidation in the, in the industry? Are there a lot of small players and some really big ones? And are people yeah. Like yeah. So yeah. solar's been in a couple waves, you know, mm-hmm. uh, back in 2015, 16, there was a huge boom and, and then a, a drop off where a lot of very unreputable contractors kind of went away. And, and that unfortunately gave the industry a little bit of a, a black eye when, you know, there were just business practices that, that weren't very good. Uh, and then we kind of saw another growth phase and then COVID really hit and changed things. Um, so when I say change things, there were some companies that retreated and kind of hurtled up and, and there were other companies like Earthlight that stayed in the forefront and stayed out there and, and let people know, hey, we can we can save you money. We're still out there. We're still working. Great. Those companies that stayed out there came out the other end better. And now that there's all these supply chain issues, we're definitely seeing the smaller companies struggle because they simply can't get their hands on the product. They don't have the buying power to be able to inventory, you know, 
six months worth of panels. So for example, in our commercial solar division, um, we've never had a, an issue sourcing product. It's okay. you order it two yep. weeks later, it's on a truck and it's here. Right now we've placed orders back in, I want to say April for the remainder of the year. So we had to look at our, our pipeline, anticipate what's going to go, what isn't going to go, and literally buy in just megawatts upon megawatts of inventory mm-hmm. to be able to procure that product. Because if you didn't secure it then, people who are calling now and saying, hey, I need 100 kW of this panel, they're not going to get it. Or their lead time is, yeah, we'll see you next May. Yeah. So the smaller providers who are trying to source product now I think are really struggling and that's definitely going to cause a consolidation within the industry. Yeah. So some opportunity for you, it sounds like, or for Earthlight. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've been fortunate to be uh, a healthy company who's, who's mm-hmm. been able to use our resources to procure products and leverage our long-term relationships with suppliers to make sure mm-hmm. that we keep the gears moving and that our customers are satisfied. But, you know, we talk to peers and not, not everybody is in that same situation. Um, as far as like, I'm, I'm a technology person. So I always ask, so what do you, what do you guys use for technology internally? Um, yeah. yeah. So our CRM is Salesforce. Okay. Um, we've been using that for, for, for quite a while. And, and several years ago, we, we found that, you know, you talk about untapped talent. We had a, a gentleman in-house who was very tech savvy, who started taking his own courses. And the next thing you know, we have an in-house Salesforce certified admin. And so we've been able to build out this amazing system that just gives you an absolute ton of information right at your fingertips. Um, So that's our CRM. That's been great for for reporting and tracking. On the accounting side, we're currently using QuickBooks um, Desktop Enterprise Edition. We're starting to potentially outgrow it. It's it's a great program in terms of being really user-friendly and letting you do what you want to do. Uh, But there reaches a certain point where maybe the data isn't quite as easily accessible as you want or really breaking things down to a more granular level as we open more and more divisions and more and more geographies. We need that next granular level of drill down. Um, Not entirely sure that QuickBooks is going to be our long-term solution, but that's what you, we're using right now. Yeah, I mean, we obviously we were a QuickBooks reseller and been using it for God twenty plus years. We do a lot with enterprise, and it's our go-to. But you're right, uh, we have clients that they've outgrown it. They may have they have all these systems around it, and because everybody they don't they don't want to leave QuickBooks because it's. It's, you know, it's an easy to use program. It's easy to fix things. It's, you know, uh, everything dumps to Excel. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff and there's a ton of people know how to use it. So you don't have to train somebody on mm-hmm. some obscure ERP software that, you know, nobody knows. So, um, but there is a time, you know, it's like you get to this point where it's just, you know, you've maxed out the capabilities. So, you know, I know, and, and it's painful because everything, every jump out of QuickBooks is a big one. Like there's no like, Oh, what's the next thing? It's like a, a, a leap, unfortunately. But if you're going to scale these other systems, you can have branches and companies and consolidations and tracking commissions and customer portals that lock that, you know, link in like so many things that, you know, these bigger systems can do that when a company does eventually get on something and really, you know, embrace it, they're like, 
take off, I think, as far as the technology side. But no, that's cool that you use. Yeah, that. and that's that's exactly what we're going through now is, yeah. is as we go to the next level, what's the technology that's that's going to... Yeah, know, and Salesforce integrates with most of these other ERPs. So you would yeah. have to leave that. So, yeah. Cool. So what's um, just overall, what's like the, your biggest challenge today? Just hiring or, you know, um, to, to, with your growth? Just like the... Just look at yeah. I mean, short short terms. Yeah, supply chain and and just pricing pressures has obviously yeah. been uh, really tough for anybody who's in the home services or construction industries, and we straddle both. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so you know, getting material is is becoming increasingly difficult. The 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 pricing is is really potentially you know out of control at times. We have a great purchasing agent who we brought in a couple years ago. Who's really, you know, we look back and we go without without his skill set and abilities here, it, it would have been so much more difficult to, to continue to be successful. So we've we've navigated it the best we could, but it's it's tough to to placate customers and and be transparent with them and let them know, yeah, what used to take, you know, two to three months is now going to take five to six months just because we're waiting on everybody along the way. So even if we have the material, then the utility company has to come out and swap the meter. They don't have the meter sockets. So those are waiting and they're looking for a suitable replacement, but they haven't found one. And it's, it's just kind of like dominoes that they all just kind of do, do, do down the line. So short-term that's, that's been really challenging. Um, Does the technology change much? So let's say you order panels way, way ahead of time. Cause you know, like, Hey, we're going to need these later. Um, when later comes, do you realize, hey, we got some, you know, obsolete panels or things like that, or, or do these pretty much have a, a good life to them? Yeah, they have a, a pretty a pretty long life form, and and we have enough visibility with our manufacturer partners to know when the next generation is coming out. So every few years, there'll be a reasonably significant upgrade. There's always new models coming out, but the mm-hmm. the incremental increases are pretty small at this point. It reminds me back in the day when. AMD and Intel used to have right. that chip battle where it was just leaps and bounds. Somebody would come out with something that was double yeah, the processing power. Process, yeah. We're not seeing that. We're seeing small inter- incremental gains where, uh, you know, you have a 425 watt panel and they come out with a 430. The 425 is, is still perfectly sellable and it has a price point that you're going to continue to use it for a year or two years down the road. So the, the incremental technology gains are small enough that they have a long life, but by the same token with the volume we're doing now, the turnover is relatively quick anyway. We're, we're not sitting on, you know, loads of product that's, you know, a year old. That just, that just doesn't happen. Cool. Well, enough about the business. Just let's hear a little bit about you. So where, where are you from? Are you from the area from? You know? Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in Windsor, Connecticut. Okay. And uh, growing up in Windsor, it's, it's a pretty, pretty quiet town and, Thought for sure growing up, I would leave Windsor and then I bought my first house there and then I met my wife and then we had our kids and now we have another house in Windsor. So been there literally my entire life. Yeah. Um, it's a great, it's a great little community and, and um, enjoy it there. Cool. And uh, so where'd you work before you've been here five years, it sounds like. So we did. Yeah. Where'd yep. So, so prior to here, I, I worked at a um, chimney service company out of West Hartford, a pretty well-respected one who's, who's still out there and doing well. I spent uh, three years there. And then prior to that, I was literally at our, at our next door neighbors here in Ellington, 
a company called The Barnyard. I spent about a decade there. And they actually are the family who recommended me to the Schneiders here who own Earthlight, who ended up hiring me. So uh, it's been throughout my career relationships that have brought me to uh, that next position that I've been at. So I, I was there for about a decade. Um, and then prior to that, I was at a hot tub company uh, for about three years. A, a college professor of mine who I'm still very good friends with, he was in my wedding, uh, brought me on board there while I was still in college. And uh, it was amazing wow. because it was, was this growing organization that then failed. Mm-hmm. And I learned more watching a multi-million dollar organization fail and collapse wow. than any textbook any bachelor's degree, any master's degree, anywhere, the real world of experience of watching a company fail from the inside is something that has left, you know, a remarkable impression on me today as to how people behave and the signs and what to do and what not to do. And so since then, every organization I've worked with has experienced some level of growth and success that I Mm -hmm. hope I've been at least a, a fraction of. Yeah, I mean, it's never smooth. No matter how you grow, there's always some bumps. And early in my career, I was a CFO of a company where we had massive cash flow problems and trying to meet payroll. We had 165 employees at the time. And, you know, a week before payroll, thinking, do I have enough? And then, you know, dealing with vendors and trying to get them to cut, you know, extend terms and, but I, I learned so much from that experience. And then, you know, now that we work with clients as kind of advisors, and like when, when we see those things happening, it's like, oh, I, I, I was in your shoes and this is kind of what helped me. So, um, yeah, it's those failures, I think, that teach us the most. Um, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they aren't fun in the moment. They're incredibly stressful, but they, they yeah. do ultimately forge who you end up being going forward and, and your decision making process going forward. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think I lost most of my hair back in those days when, you know, big, com- big companies losing. <laughs> money. So anyway, so cool. I, this has been awesome. I, I'd love to, like, I actually, everyone I talk to on these podcasts, I always ask if I can reach out in like a year or so. Cause I always like, you know, I, I, I see like some opportunity to see how people continue on with growth and like within a year you you come back and you guys were 200 plus employees and five locations kind of cool to hear that and how that that's happened so i i appreciate you being on i i thank you um oh real quickly people can connect with you if they want um you're on linkedin and maybe if you want to spell your last name for them just if they look you up i know what you're it's michael yeah, the, the good thing is with a last name like mine, you're just going to find me. You're not going to find a whole bunch of people. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's M as in Mary, A-I-S-C-A-L-C-O, Muscalco. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, we do have our company website. Uh, my email uh, is just Mike M. So Mike, then the letter M, at earthlighttech.com. Anybody's free to to reach out anytime. And I yeah. definitely love to, to revisit this. I've, I've enjoyed listening to your, your prior podcasts up to this point. That's part of what encouraged me to come on. It's, it's been really great. No, I appreciate it. I, I yeah, thank you. appreciate it. Really. You know, I'm glad to have you. I learned, I learned a lot. It's, it's nice talking to somebody who's been in a, a growth mode, like you, you are with, from a, like a family-based business. I know I went on the website 
that started as small family based and electricians. And it's kind of cool to see this growth and just kind of learn how it's happening. Um, and for anyone who's listening or watching, if you look, I encourage you to like it, share it. Hopefully you learned something today. Um, and um, thank you, Mike. And this is Yeah. Thank you. And this has been another episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class services and cutting-edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.